Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, sometimes there are messages that you hear when you come to church and they're a little hard to hear. It's like, oh, ouch, that hurt a little bit. Even though it's true, sometimes they're a little hard to hear and, and we don't always think they're very fun. But, but, hey, listen up. Sometimes there are messages from God's Word that are really exciting to hear. They're good. And that's, I have the privilege of preaching to you one of those messages this morning. I'm going to help us as a people to understand how we can get out from underneath this oppression, this paralyzation that we create for ourselves called worry, anxiety. And you know, I think it's safe to say that no matter who you are, what your background is, or what's going on in your own personal world, you're part of the same uh, existence that I am. So it's, it's likely that this week or recently you have experienced some degree of worry. It's just one of those things that is, that's common to all of us. It's part of the human experience. We share sort of being burdened at times and weighed down. And sometimes, if you're honest, sometimes you know that there are times where you really are shackled. You really are overburdened by your own worry, consumed sometimes. And I like to use the word paralyzed because worry really keeps us from doing something that's much better. One uh, author that I read this week wrote, worry is like borrowing tomorrow's clouds to cover today's sunshine. You know, we really don't need to worry about the clouds until they come, and then we deal with them. And, and then we miss the opportunities of sunshine or, or, or existence that dwell right there in our lives today. And I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, and we're going to look at three different areas of worry in our lives and how God's Word teaches us to combat worry, to overcome worry, to, in a sense, escape from its effects. Worry, yes, worry is sin. Worry can be sin in our lives. But what we're going to learn today is to be able to deal with it before it gets to that point. How does God's Word teach us to be free from worry? And the first one that I want to show you, the first source, type of anxiety that we have is the anxiety about our needs. About our needs. You know, uh, all of us have needs. Need of food, clothing, shelter, uh, I, I need uh, some things sometimes that I don't really need, but I think I do, right? We have all those things that we think we need. And, and when we don't have them or when we're not sure how we're going to reach them or get them, sometimes that brings us to the, to the place of, of anxiety. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Read with me, if you will, in Matthew chapter 6, and we'll start in verse 25. Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. 
for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient is the day for its own trouble. Worry. First of all, this, this idea of anxiety or worry, let's define it. What, what is it really? And you find it there at first in verse 25. Therefore I say to you, now this is what Jesus is saying, church. This is what he's saying. Do not worry. I, I know in your experience, probably much like mine, we think, well, most of the time it's not okay to worry, but sometimes there's really valid reason. There's just cause for me to worry. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying for us as his followers, he says, do not worry. So what does this term worry mean? It's, it's really the, the term for taking thought of something, to take thought of. So this is something that has to do with our thinking, our understanding, our perceptions, our imaginations. It begins with our thought process. Do not, in a sense, take thought of, and you think, well, that's silly because certainly we're supposed to think about things. I have to think about my job or I'm not going to do it very well. I have to think about putting on the food on the table or it's not going to get there. Mom say, I have to think about the recipe and how to cook it or our family's not going to eat. So we're certainly supposed to be thinking of some things. What is he referring to that we're not supposed to take thought of? And it really, it really has to do with sort of a deeper meaning, and you can find it by looking at the root word. This particular take thought of is the word to divide something, to put into parts. So, so put, put it together. This is to take and to put into different parts to divide what we're taking thought of. It's, in a sense, a division of thought, a distraction of thought process, separation of. It's like the oldest military tactic known to man. If you're going to conquer your enemy, one of the primary basic tactics is to divide and conquer. Dividing the enemy means separating their resources, pulling apart their unity, causing some conflict, some attention, some taking thought of internally between the two sides. So it becomes easier then for you as the enemy to conquer them, to defeat them. You take their attention and resources off of you, the enemy, and they put it on each other and trying to coordinate with each other, and then they become weaker, easier to subject, to subdue. And that's what's true with our lives as well. When we worry, when we're anxious about things, it's as if our thought process is divided. There is, there is disunity within the, the mind and the taking thought of and where we're putting our attention to. And therefore, it makes us easy to subdue, less effective, less productive. We, sometimes we're our own worst enemy, folks. You say, this is a great enemy of the, this is a great tactic of the enemy, the devil. Well, yeah, it might be, but I think sometimes we don't even give him the chance. We do it ourselves. We paralyze ourselves. We consume our thought with this division, this, this disunity in mind because, because one part of our mind thinks that this should be the outcome. I should have needs. I, I, have, I have to eat and, and, and clothe myself and protect myself and, and provide for my family. And I know God's faithful to do that. But then the other part of me is, but what if he isn't faithful? What if, what if this happens? And as if, listen, as if there's something that can happen to you that would be beyond the reach of God's provision. I mean, just want to put worry into perspective here, church. Are you really going to get to that place where God is not able to provide for you? And this passage shows us that even as basic as those things, the birds of the air or the lilies of the field, how simple they are, yet God cares for them. And the idea is, how much more? 
What about you? I mean, God put all this thought process, all this planning into providing for, let's look at first of the birds of the air, providing the birds of the air. I think really the point here, the point really is they don't assume responsibility for themselves. That's what makes them worry-free in the comparison sense. He's saying, look at the birds of the air. They just, they don't sow or reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. You know, they don't really assume their own responsibility for, oh my gosh, you don't see birds strategizing and having meetings and sessions, or what are we going to do to be able, they just sort of, because God designed it that way, they just enjoy that, and they don't know any better than just to provide whatever it is God gave to them. And the comparison, church, the comparison is for us to learn from. We don't assume responsibility for our own provision. And we can live, listen, the day you became a child of God, you became completely his responsibility. Just as fathers today assume the responsibility of providing for their children, and how much better of a father is our heavenly God, our heavenly father, he assumes responsibility for you. See, sometimes we just need to let go and believe that. Does he really care for me enough? Well, he cares for the birds of the air. Why wouldn't he care about you? And God puts into his design of leading you and, and working in your life the same provision he has put into the design for providing for the birds of the air. It's found when we focus on our identity, not assume responsibility. Your identity is a child of God a son, a daughter of a heavenly father who cares for you and provides for your every single need. And then we look, um, not only do they not assume responsibility, but we look and see that they, they don't um, sow or reap or gather into barns. That, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a funny image if you play it out in your mind. What would that look like if birds really did that? And I, th- I think Jesus is being a little bit facetious here. It's like, you don't see them doing that, do you? They don't, they don't, why, why don't they have to do that? You know, because God put into nature this grand design called migration. And they don't even know that that's why they do it, but they just sort of follow the leading of God's design for birds, and they migrate to areas where they can survive when it's, when it's the proper time, and the food is just right there. They move in harmony with God's plan. They just, they don't know any better. The bird's a perfect example because they don't know why they migrate. It's instinctive. They just do. And we should be, now watch this, we need to be just as instinctive to following something in our lives that leads us to God's divine plan. It's not migration. It's the Holy Spirit. God, see, just like the bird doesn't have to, listen, it's just nature. They don't have to think about it. All they have to do is fly. God has put inside of you everything you need to follow him, to enjoy his provision, to know where he wants you to go and what he wants to do in your lives. See, we we really just follow the grand design of, of God's scheme, his plan, his design that he put in us through the Holy Spirit. And that's why he puts the Holy Spirit in us to dwell within us living in harmony with God's plan. See, guys, there now now listen, now listen. If you decide unlike the birds of the air, that you're going to fret and plan and assume responsibility for your own provision and live in harmony. Listen, listen, 
with your own idea of your plan for your life, then you have all the reason in the world to worry. Because guess what? You're in big trouble. Yeah, so, hey, although worrying doesn't help, at least you would be justified in your worrying. But if you choose instead to own your identity as a child of God, the redeemed, his special people, his creation, his children, and you follow, in a sense, God's design and plan for your life by surrendering and letting the Holy Spirit lead you, just like migration leads the birds of the air, then listen, you, listen this is, you can take this home, put it in the bank right here. You never, ever, ever have any reason to worry about your provision. Never. God will always provide. He's always faithful. Thank you. I'm just saying, that sounds like a pretty true statement to me. I might put an amen right there. It belongs there. Consider the, look at the birds of the air, but also he says, consider the lilies of the field. Lilies are so beautiful and, and pretty, and yet it's so simple how they exist. They, they don't uh, toil or spin. I think it's really helpful to focus on, when, when he refers us to the, to the lilies, watch, it says, verse 28, consider the lilies of the field. Focus on this, how they grow. The comparison really is the manner in which they grow here. The method of their growth, of their, how they grow into be such a beautiful, wonderful, precious, ordained, covered creation of God. How do they grow? Well, you think about it, it's not a complex question, guys. I mean, for the scientist who understands all the, you know, the biology behind it, it might be a little more complicated. But for the comparison for the average person, listen to what he's saying. How do the lilies really glow? Well, they, they just sort of stay right where they're planted. Not like the birds, they don't even have to move. They just kind of stay right there. Oh, how do the lilies grow? Well, they really just flourish by whatever is provided for them. Well, that sounds pretty simple. Something so beautiful and so wonderful and complete comes from really just staying right where you're put and growing by exactly what's given to you. That's how they grow. That's their strategy, if you will. Think about the comparison. You don't worry about your provision, the clothing that you're going to have, the, the covering of your, of your, your sheltering of your family, how you're going to look and appear to the rest of the world. You don't worry about that. Consider literally how they grow. In other words, stay right where God plants you. Wherever God is putting you, that's the safest, that's the best place to be where he will always provide, and you won't even have to worry about your appearance and your shelter and everything else. Because as beautiful as they are, he says, Solomon, in all his glory, didn't even compare. That's like saying, do you know how beautiful you will be if you just rely on what God provides for you? Hey, ladies, let me just step out there and speak to the women in the house this morning. I'm so sorry for the gross pressure from our society that tells you you need to be some whatever it is to be beautiful. You know, I mean, that's going to change. 2,000 years ago, it was beautiful to be fat. Okay? Today, it's not. That changes. You don't have to measure up to that wobbly, uncertain, failing standard of what beauty really is. The greatest beauty... I'm telling you, 
when I behold and look at my wife, there is no time where she is more gorgeous and beautiful and pretty than she ever is than when she is abiding perfectly in the place where God has put her. It doesn't matter what she's wearing that day. When she is abiding in what God has done and flourishing there and letting God work in her lives, that's a sense of beauty that, that pales makeup and dresses and shoes and ties and clothes. Those things, they don't even measure up. Not even in the same ballpark. How can I get into such a place? How can I be like the birds of the air and make sure that I'm following God's design, not my own? How can I just remain planted and, and flourish by what God gives me and just sort of grow into whatever he's doing in my life? How do I do that so that I will not worry? Well, guess what? He tells you how. Skip forward to verse 33. Here's how you do it. But seek first, first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things. What things? All the things that you would worry about to provide for your needs. All of those things shall be added to you. Not might be, shall be added to you. It's a matter of putting your mind, remember, worry is a division of thought. It's spreading out our thought resources. Putting all unity of thought, what I'm taking thought of, what I'm, my goal is, what I'm relying on, what my strategy is, all on the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when we do that, see, that's not hard, guys. That's not hard. Putting all of our attention, all of our focus, all of our devotion and forward momentum based on who God says he is, what he's doing in my life, how he reveals himself, his righteousness. And when I'm busy doing that, all these other things, I don't have to worry about them. I don't even have to think about them because God is responsible for providing me. Do like this. Yep, he is. He really is. Um, I'm going to give you a chance to respond. I'm going to cut the message short this morning. How about that? Is that good? Cool. We get, we get, get out early. No, you don't get out early. We're going to cut the message short because I want to allow a little response time this morning. A little more than usual. So just be prepared to respond, okay? How many would be honest this morning? I already set you up, right? Because who's going to lie in church? How many would be honest this morning and say, you know what? Honestly, truthfully, there's sometimes I worry. Sometimes I worry. And, and isn't it true that sometimes your worry sort of just goes on and it sort of just begins to build? And before you know it, how many, how many have been in this place? You worrying so much, you feel weighed down by the thought of what could be, what might be, what if. Where am I going to? How's it? It just it begins to weigh you down to the point where you just can't even hardly progress forward anymore. And sometimes that's where we get paralyzed. You know, Jesus had a solution for this. He told us how to deal with this. Turn over into Matthew chapter 11. Just a few chapters over. Watch this. You're here this morning and you're weighed down. Just too many things going on. Seek God and his righteousness first. Now watch this. Matthew 11, verse 28. Jesus says, come to me, 
all you who labor and are heavy laden. See that picture of being weighed down, heavy laden with the affairs of life, the details and circumstances of your world, the labor that's before you to navigate everything that you have to do this week, heavy laden. And then he says, if you will come to me, what does that sound like? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you will come to me, he says, here's what I will give you. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, he says. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. How many agree, when you're weighed down and overburdened by worrying, rest for your soul sounds pretty good. It sounds like relief from all this worry. That's what he provides. You will find it. Rest for your soul. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. (laughs) You see it? Here I am, worried about my life, and it's as if 10 tons is hanging over the top of me. And I'm dragging my tail, barely getting through, and it's hard. And Jesus says, take the same life. Same circumstances, same finances, same calendar. And now come to me and put my yoke. Strap yourself to how I'm progressing through life. What I'm doing with those circumstances and those priorities and those finances and that calendar. Yoke yourself to me. Come alongside of me. And he says, and you will find rest. It's as if all of that burden is just instantly removed. Hey, see, I told you this could be a good message. You're going to like this. This morning, the entire burden of everything you're worrying about can be removed. That's, hey, that's why we're here, to let God do that for us. We don't do that on our own, do we? We can't possibly figure it out and strategize correctly. He says, no, 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 here's what you do. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Work through life. Plow through the field. With me, with my yoke. That's anxiety about our needs in Jesus' eyes. Do not worry about these things. Basically, here's Bud's translation stick with me, I got you covered. Right? Stick with me, I'll figure it out. It's when we're on our own that we get in trouble. All right, so. What about anxiety that has to do with our own imagination? Anxiety that's from our own imagination, our own thinking. Turn to Isaiah chapter 26. Now, I I know this to be true firsthand. I'm I'm a student. I want to be a student for the rest of my life. I want to always be learning and growing. I like to study. I even like to stay plugged in in college and Whatever degrees next, I want it. I want to learn more and progress. I love learning. And actually, now, guys, I'm not saying this pridefully, so please receive it the way I intended. I'm pretty good at it. But let me tell you, ask my family, this is true. Every single assignment, every single test, every single paper that I have ever taken or done, I am convinced I'm going to fail it right up until the time I do. I'm convinced. I worry, even though time and time I've proven that my study habits are good and the Lord's faithful and and lifts my head and helps me and all those things, I still know that over and over again God's faithfulness, yet every single time my imagination begins to go, well, what if, and this time, and you didn't, and before you know it, all these things that are not true begin to be thrown around and my mind is so divided 
so split that I can't even focus anymore on life? How about you? What about your imagination? What worry in your life comes from your own thinking? Listen to what scripture says. Isaiah 26, verse 2. Open the gates that the righteous nation which keeps the truth may enter in. You, watch this, will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts in you, trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah, the Lord, Yahweh, is everlasting strength. Bring your thinking to God. Your thinking is going to get you into trouble, my friend. Your imagination, hey, listen, I know this is the part we don't like to hear, but your imagination is not to be trusted. It is not to be trusted. You cannot trust where your mind will take you. In every single instance, it will take you to places that God is not necessarily working in. And what the scripture is saying is that if you want perfect peace, freedom from anxiety, no worry, he says, you, that's God, will keep him, that's you, in perfect peace. By the way, that's the idea of being absolutely, absolutely resolved, content, and steadfast, even in the face of the storm. Could you imagine with the storm of life just swirling around you and all the possibilities and all the circumstances, could you imagine just standing right in the middle of that at perfect peace? Maybe a grin on your face, just absolutely content. No division of thought, assured, confident, positive. Could you imagine that? How do, we, how do I do that? He says, God will keep you in that place when, watch, whose mind is stayed on you. He's saying, Lord, when their mind is stayed, fixed, held up, by you, your thinking, what you say, then you keep them in perfect peace. It's, I know it sounds trivial. Oh, I'm worried, I'm worried. You know what? Focus on God. Say, yeah, yeah, I know, but, I'm, but this is real. I'm worried. This is not a Sunday school lesson. This ain't Bible study. I have real things happening here. I'm trying to help you, church. Practice this principle. If you will keep your mind stayed on God, focus, give him all of your attention, read his word, spend time in prayer, review his attributes and his faithfulness. When you do that, then God's response is to keep you in perfect peace. It's something, hey watch, it's something that's supernatural. Really? Is that true? Yeah. Turn all the way over to Philippians chapter 4. I'll show you. It's true. Philippians chapter 4. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Philippians chapter Okay. I got more to say, so you got to turn quickly. Philippians, I'm just kidding. Take your time. Is, is it really this, this peace that he gives us, this freedom from worry, does it really have a supernatural aspect to it? Something that he does divinely by a miracle? It is. Watch. You remember um, these familiar verses, perhaps? 
chapter 4, verse 6, be anxious for nothing. Hmm. That sounds like, don't worry. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer, with prayer and supplication, look at that, keeping your mind stayed on him by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And watch this. And it says, look at verse 7. Are you there? Do like this if you're at verse 7. Okay, you there? Check it out. And, watch this, the peace of God. Well, what happens when I keep my mind stayed on him? The peace of God, which, watch this, surpasses all understanding. You know what that is? That's supernatural. That's divine. Beyond what comprehension is available to you in your own mind. Beyond understanding. He will guard your hearts, keep you in peace and minds through Jesus Christ. Come to me, he says. You see it? Look, when you're struggling with worry and your imagination's getting the best of you and going wild, it says, come, he says, come and focus your thoughts on me. Perfect peace whose mind is focused on praiseworthiness. Look at verse 8. Finally, brethren, Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Put your thinking on these things. What things? The things that are praiseworthy. You know what that is? Those are the things that God has done and revealed himself to be that cause you to praise him. Hey, hey, there's a whole lot. If you don't have any yourself, talk to your neighbor. See what kind they have to praise God for. Come to church. Learn about God's faithfulness and how many things that he has done and what he has done for us. He's worthy of praise. And when we begin to focus on why he's worthy of praise, that takes our mind and it stays it on him, who he is. And all of a sudden, listen, supernaturally, all the details of your imagination begin to come together. And what, what results is truth. And God keeps you in perfect peace. Focus on his power. Praiseworthiness, power. You know, uh, that's God's great strength. And you know, sometimes when I'm questioning and doubting and my imagination is going crazy, and does it really, and could it really, and what if, it just helps to stop and remember how powerful God really is. Yeah, start anywhere in the scriptures and begin reading. And ask yourself the question, how powerful is God? Let me just see. Light be, and light was. That's powerful. That's amazing. That's a power beyond my comprehension. See, that's who's responsible for keeping your mind stayed on peace, for, for sorting out the details of your circumstances in your life, on his power, on positives. He says, whatever things are praiseworthy, he says, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, what God says about you, the positives of who God says you are and what he sees in your life, on purposes, what are God's purposes for man, for the church, for you, sometimes focusing on God's purpose for your life, just, you know, watch it happen. 
begins to rein in all those imaginary thoughts and begins to focus your mind on how incredibly faithful he is and what your purpose is in him. And listen, there's peace beyond understanding that comes with that. Supernatural peace. So what about your imagination? Just time out. Take a break from the message here, the the text. Let me just check in with you. How's your imagination work? When in your life does your imagination get the best of you? When does your own thinking begin to spiral out of control to where you begin to get locked up with fear, with uncertainty, with unanswered questions that haunt you and press in on you and begin to weigh you down? When does that happen in your life? Whenever it happens, listen, right here, right now, whenever it happens, the solution is always the same. It's take your eyes in your thought, in your mind, off of the situation, off of the circumstance, and put them all on him. Isn't it wonderful to know that God cares for us and is calling us, hey, listen, hey, right there, you, hey, child, look at me, listen to me. I will help you. I will care for you. I have a plan and a purpose for you. Just come, follow me. Guys, there is no greater gift on earth. This side of eternity, this side of heaven, God gives us the peace of knowing and and existing right in the center of his will and him being responsible for every source of provision in our life. Everything. All right. There's a third source of anxiety and sometimes anxiety comes about our circumstances they're they're these are the real ones these aren't imaginary right these are um there's an illness maybe a life-threatening illness there's a job loss there's a financial upheaval there's a relationship that is just absolutely gone crazy wild out of control and it's ugly there's a marriage that is in disunity that's pending listen it's on the verge right here this morning of breaking apart those are those are real circumstances and you say how do i face those how do i walk up to those and go i can face the worst of those circumstances without worry can i do that Does God want me to do that? Does he call me to do that? Turn, if you will, over to Matthew chapter 8. We're actually going to conclude with this passage here this morning. Matthew chapter 8. I'm going to give you a chance this morning. First, I'm going to teach it to you, show you in the scripture where it comes from, and then I'm going to give every single person in this room an opportunity to respond. So here's how you prepare. Right now, take out your response cards, if you will. Those cards we called your attention to earlier. Make sure everybody has one. I made sure you had one. There's a lot of wiggling cards going on in the room, so I know everybody has one. You've got, if you want to put your name on the front, that's fine. On the back of that card, I want you to begin thinking about writing down a source of worry for you. Now, some of you, when I said that, you automatically knew what it was. 
I know what I'm worrying about right now. I've been worrying about it all week, all month, all year, whatever it is. Some of you, you actually have to think about it for a second. It's there, but you have to go, what am I worried? Oh, I, I, yeah, I am pretty worried about that. I'm always thinking and wondering what if, and, and it's like haunting me. It's unresolved, and, and my mind is divided in thought about it, and it's causing me stress. What is it for you? I want, if, if you can, write it on your card. Write it in code if you want to. Initials. A letter. Whatever you want. Something that represents that worry to you. That source of worry to you. Now, Jesus is with his disciples. In Matthew chapter 8. Are you there? Hello. Are you there? Okay, you're writing. You're still writing your worries. That's okay. Turn to Matthew chapter 8 and write your worries at the same time. Ready? Go. Okay. Matthew chapter 8. And we're beginning to think about our own source of worry. Look what it says here in verse 23. Now the disciples are following him in verse 23. Now when he, that's Jesus, got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with waves. But he, that's Jesus, was asleep. Now, how many would agree with me this morning that if you're following Jesus and you're going along just doing whatever he does and you end up in a boat... And he's sleeping, so you're not really sure, does he really know what's going on here, or is he out? Is he dreaming? What's he doing? And all of a sudden, this huge storm rises up. Have you ever been out on the Sea of Galilee and seen it happen? It's treacherous. It's scary. And the waves are coming over a little tiny boat. How many would agree with me that that's probably a pretty good time to start worrying? For most of us, right? That's me. If, if, if there's anything I would worry about, that would be one of them. Like, oh, we're going to die. What's going to happen? I might even be worried that my hair's going to get messed up in and, and the windstorm. And whatever it is you're worried about, something, it's unsettled, right? It's, it's, there, there's, there's no certainty. And there's pending possibility of danger or being shift off balance, right? That, that's what the storm represents. You've got to see that, folks. That's what Jesus is teaching them. He leads them there. He wants them to experience being literally off balance and shifted to the point where they can't trust in anything that's certain around them. There's nothing to hold on to. There, there's no source of, oh, this will really be okay. I can let go of worry. Except him. And for those of you that wonder, does he ever really know what's going on in my life? He had everything under perfect control while he was snoring. I think he's got it. He says, Then the disciples came and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're perishing. I mean, those are like words of worry. <laughs> but he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Now, I want you to think about what Jesus is doing here. You almost want to say, what do you mean, why am I fearful? Because look, I've seen people drown. I've seen boats go under. Why, why would Jesus ask that question? Why wouldn't they expect to be destroyed, to perish right there? Why? What is the answer that Jesus was so confident about that he was pointing out to them that they have no reason to worry? Because he was there. 
Because he was in control. Because, listen, watch this. Because the reason they were in the storm, ooh, watch this, watch this, watch this. The reason they were in the storm was because they followed him there. See, they could. It's possible to be in a storm that you didn't follow Jesus to get there. You followed yourself to get there, and you might be in big trouble. And you need to get out of town. But he says, when you follow me, when you are into the storm. See, Jesus never promised that we would not face storms. He never promised that there would not be difficulty and that there would not be times of uncertainty and, and, and where we would be tempted to question and, and impending danger, right? All those things are part of life. He said, but if you're facing them because you follow me, then you can have faith. You see, they're not going to sink him. They're not going to catch him by surprise. They're not going to destroy Jesus. And he says, if you're with me, they won't destroy you. There will be storms in your life. Now I want to ask you three questions, and then we're going to close. These questions are for you to internalize. Ask yourself in the light of this truth. Number one, whatever you're facing that's worrying you, are you there because you followed Jesus? Are you there because you followed Jesus? Now think about the answer for a minute. Now, if you are, then here's the answer right now. You have little faith, trust him. Let it go. Leave it at his feet. Jesus, I'm looking to you. Nobody's going to destroy you, and I'm with you, so I don't have to worry about it. That's your answer. Now, if your answer is, no, I ended up here because I, I did not follow Jesus, then listen, now here's your answer. Get from where you are to where Jesus is quick. Find him in your life. Spend time seeking him, praying, looking, asking, reading the scriptures, worshiping. God, what are you, where are you in my life and how can I get there? That's question number one. Question number two. Now, if you are with Jesus, does it make a difference to you? Does being in that circumstance that's making you worry, causing you to worry, does it make a difference to you that you're with Jesus? Now, if the answer is no, then here's your answer. You need to learn more about who Jesus is. You need, to, you need to find out how loving, how caring, how incredible, what his plan and purpose is, who his character is, and that's what you need to focus on with all of your attention. If your answer is yes, it does make a difference, then here's your answer. Let go. If it makes a difference that you're with Jesus, then let it make a difference that you're with Jesus. You follow me? Let it make a difference. But he's sleeping. That's okay. But I don't know if he's looking. That's okay. He's God. He won't miss a beat. I promise. Third question. Now here's the big one. To help you, what is Jesus doing in that circumstance. What's he up to? What's he doing? So whatever's causing you anxiety and stress, if the Lord led you there, then listen, listen, then he's doing something. There's a reason he led you there. And the peace 
Letting go of the worry comes from, you know what? All I have to do is really focus on, Lord, in this situation, this broken relationship, in this marriage struggle and trial and temptation, in this uh, financial upheaval, this job loss, this crisis, where are you and what are you doing, Jesus? You see, when you find where he is in your circumstance and what he's doing, that allows you to join him and be part of that, and you become part of the protective layer of everything that he's doing. Hey, by the way, that's how we get to know God. That's how he enjoys a relationship with us. I'm telling you, folks, when there's a storm brewing in your life, and the waves are coming over the bow, and and you don't know what's going on, when you find what Jesus is doing in that storm and begin putting your efforts to what he's doing, there is no greater peace on the world. There's no greater contentment known to man. There is no sense of assurance and confidence like finding what Jesus is doing in that circumstance and joining him in it. That's what he's trying to teach his disciples. And listen, that's why he allows us those things right now, right here, that we're worrying about. The question is, are we missing it by worrying? Or are we trusting him and experiencing that much more of what he wants us to know of who he is? And you can do that right here, right now, every single man, woman, and child in this building. Right now. We're going to let go of worry. We're going to do it together. We're going to let it go. Now bow your heads and pray with me if you will. I'm going to give you a chance to respond. And let God do his work right now in our midst. He's big enough. He can do it. Father God, I, I, I don't know if I even know you. Pray with me, church. I don't even know... If I, if I have eternal life, if I've been saved from my sin, I don't even know if you care for me, if I, if I qualify to be one of your children. My friend, you can settle that issue right here, right now, by believing, by faith, that his death on the cross and shedding his blood was for you and for your sins, and you can receive forgiveness. And if you'll do that right now, all the worry of what will happen to me and where will I go and where will I be can be taken away instantly. And it goes like this. You just pray with me if that's your heart. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I turn from my sin and I, I, I place my trust in you, Lord Jesus, who died on the cross for my sins. And I accept your gift of forgiveness through his blood. I trust you, my Savior. all the rest of those in the room who have Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior, you know you are His. You know He provides. Right now, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Would you stand up? If God's speaking to your heart and you want to let go of worry, stand up. Bring that response card to the altar. Put it on these steps. Symbolically laying at the feet of Jesus. And leave it there. I promise you, no one will read them except me. And I'll pray for you. You just bring them forward. Lord, this is my worry. This is why I'm worrying. This is what I need to trust you for. This is what you've revealed to me today. God, speak into your heart. Come lay those worries at his feet right now. Lord, we bring these to you because we believe you. 
all around the room, Lord, our heart is to know your peace. Take the circumstances and these situations and we put our eyes and our mind stayed on you, Lord. We come to you. Your promise is that you will give us rest. We take your yoke upon our lives. You promise us to give us supernatural peace and freedom. Lord, you want to set us free. And this morning as your people, we come and say yes. Show me, Lord, in this circumstance, in this situation, in this crisis, where are you? What are you trying to accomplish? Your kingdom, your ways. Jesus, we lay these things at your feet because we trust you. We believe that you will care for us and provide for us. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church? Amen. I hope you walk out of this place, this building this morning, so free from worry. Just let God have his way in your life. And enjoy that. Man, there should be a bounce in our step when we leave. A shine on our faces because we left these worries here and God's worthy. He's trustworthy. He will provide for us. Okay, so all week long, mind stayed on him. Now, as the ushers come forward, I want to invite you to continue worshiping through giving. Um, you know, um, sometimes finances are issues. Sometimes worry issues come from finances. This is just an opportunity for us to keep worshiping. And if you want to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, um, let me just tell you, one of the primary ways to do that is to give. Give generously, give sacrificially, give obediently to the Lord. Whatever the Lord is calling for you to give, put that in the offering plate as it comes by as your worship to him, as your act of trust, faith, and obedience. Where's Pastor Joe? Is he going to lead us in prayer? Matt, you going to lead us? God, you are the God of all comfort. You care for us. And Lord, just thank you for this opportunity we have just to give to you. Give of our, ourselves, give our worries over to you, and give sacrificially of our finances. God, I just pray right now that you would be with those that uh, uh, can't be with us today, those that may be in our military, those that may be uh, uh, our first responders, those that are sacrificing for our freedom. Lord, I just pray right now that you would be with them today as well. Lord, uh, go before us and, and those that might be traveling home. Uh, Lord, you pray for safety. Lord, I pray for our missionaries. I pray for the many people in, in uh, the different countries that are serving you today. Lord, as they give the gospel, may it go to those that uh, need it the most. Open their hearts and minds to you. Lord, thank you for this time of worship that we've had this morning. Thank you for the way that you're using uh, just our ourselves and our lives and, and the messages Lord, continue to guide and direct us in your name, I pray. Amen.